You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss the emergence of Zoom towns over the past few years, as many Americans have been able to transition their professional careers into a fully remote position, many are choosing to live in the spaces where they can access outdoor recreation more easily. How are local areas affected by this population shift? What challenges might this trend pose? Let's get into it. Yeah, so we said last time we were going to talk about Zoom towns. Let's get into it. I know you've done some background research. I know you're amped to talk about it. Let's talk about getting the heck out of the big city and going where we want to go because we can do our jobs from anywhere because we live in the future now. Yeah. And that's what we should talk about the other side of this equation, too, which is what is happening to those towns? What is happening to the locals in those towns? Are they being displaced? The other issue for locals is when, you know, those, the Airbnbs, the you know increase in value of, of real estate increases so much that some people can't even afford their tax burden anymore. Yeah. Right? They, that's right. that's, you know. As a you know, as a community, you know, how do you deal with that? And I know that there are a lot of people that are that are attracted to those areas that have high-paying jobs and that allow them to work remotely and allow them to have that lifestyle. And I don't think we're going back on that. I, th- I don't think we're going to deconstruct mm-hmm. that to you and you know you, now you're going to go into the office again, you know, Monday through Friday and however many hours a week you feel and you need to be there, you've got to be there. And you're a weekend warrior. I don't. Yeah. I don't. It. The data doesn't seem to indicate they're headed back that direction. In fact, 30% of white collar workers are still working remotely. They can describe their situation as remote. Another 25% say they're hybrid. Yeah. So, so remote being like fully remote. Yeah. 100% yeah. Why, remote. Why not? And technology is only moving us forward. I mean, and it's, it's likely right. that by 2025, we're going to have a metaverse in which, you know, if the, if we were sitting, you know, if we were having a meeting and it was virtual, it would add, it would seem as if we were sitting in the same room with our. I mean, we'll get used to the whole avatar thing, I think. But yeah. it's that's that's coming, and so the need for you know the face to face and and in office um, interaction is probably going to do nothing but decrease. I mean, if you're making a bet right now, the data indicates that, that will decrease. And if if that's happening, then I think the trend of people moving to where they think is most attractive to live to live, yeah. not just not to work, to live. We're going to see more and more of this. And I think, you know, we're going to have to have these conversations, not only about how cool it is, but also about what it's doing to the to the local community. So let's talk about what the evidence that, that this has happened. Do we think that Zoom towns are real? Do we think that it's something that um that maybe was was a catchy buzzword in 2020 when we were like untethered from our location because of our our remote working? What, um, what can you tell me about the presence of, of Zoom towns? I can tell you that we have hard quantitative data on increase in population. We have yeah. hard quantitative data on the increase in real estate value. We have hard quantitative data on the amount of development, real estate development happening mm-hmm. in, in Zoom towns. We have hard data on how many people are working remotely and who they are and, and you know, what level and what positions they work in. Yeah. We have a lot of data. We have a ton of data. We have data on on what their average income is compared to the average income of people who who were living in and working in that town prior to COVID. Um yeah, we have data on use of recreation areas, including ski resorts who are on track to have another record year this year. 
So yeah, I got, I have some evidence. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. I dig that. I mean, yeah, I, we bought this house just as the pandemic hit. All right. So we were like in May of 2020, um, which is as soon as we could buy once, once like real estate opened back up in Colorado after the initial effects of the pandemic. But yeah, it, it seems like such an attainable dream now that my wife and I both work full-time remote. Although I, yeah, I pop into the Boulder office at People for Bikes once a week if I can. Um, or we have like a couple days every month where everyone in Colorado will come together. But why not wow. bail out? Wow. The, everyone in Colorado? Team. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we do have colleagues who who bailed out to mountain towns during the early months of the pandemic because they were renting. Leases ended and they went, all right, well, I'm just going to go ski. I'm going to go ride my bike all summer long, ski all winter long, because I don't need to be anywhere. We're in the same time zone. You're not going to notice I'm not here. No one will notice I'm not here. And that's the case for a lot of my my friends inside the outdoor industry and and in other industries. Like if, if you can make the hours work, why not do what you love to do? Why not be outside fishing, hiking, swimming, doing whatever? It's it's so attainable but but yeah you're right to bring up the ripple effects of that of, of um highly educated high earners typically folks without kids right because if you're moving to zoom towns you're not moving there for schools i wouldn't imagine moving to areas that have existing systems of taxing and existing infrastructures that might not meet the needs of those new zoom town residents and, and those zoom town residents are moving with money and they're making it look like what they want it to look like Correct. They are. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. And again, it, it's, you know, there are issues with, with increasing tax burdens and increasing real estate values that, you know, you could think, well, gee, you know, now you could sell your house for the average, the average list price of a house in Mammoth Lakes, California right now, 710,000 average price. So what, what was it before the pandemic? About 440,000. Okay, well, that's a pretty significant increase. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 75% or so. Yeah, it's so, I mean, imagine that, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a service job and you can't buy a truckie is just as expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how far down the highway do you have to go? Yeah. To live. And, you know, at what point does, does you know, the, the income inequality mean that the services are going to suffer? Right. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I know a lot of places in Colorado are struggling with that too. The, a lot of people want to be in a given area because it has great access to the outdoors. It has great facilities, but then the people who staff the the shops and the the restaurants and all the different hospitality industry, where do they live? Like, what what happens to them if they can't afford to stay in that area? Are they just going to bail and go somewhere else? Like, they they're likely in those positions because they love that activity too. I don't know any lifty that doesn't like to snowboard a hundred days a year. You know, <laughs> they're doing that job because they are the avid enthusiast who's going up for two or three runs before they punch in for their day. No uh, doubt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, I was, I worked, I worked for minimum wage as the snow reporter for four years, like relatively oh, right. recently. <laughs> I was like cool. seven, seven twenty-five an hour. I think I don't remember. Ooh. All I remember is that I kept forgetting to clock out. <laughs> That's what do funny. I know about clocking out? <laughs> yeah. Goodness. You know, let's talk about, you know, what's possible in these Zoom towns. Okay. But yeah. You know, they're, we're acknowledging that there are issues with development and increased population. Yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, these areas are attracting uh, the creative class. Um, they're attracting um, 
high-skilled individuals that are are likely to be innovative. So I think I think we're we're in for an interesting couple of years where we end up seeing a lot of sort of new outdoor technology actually coming out of our consumer base that has actually moved to these Zoom towns so they can participate in the things that they like best, like biking and hiking and climbing. You know, so I am I we're starting to see it now. And I'm seeing it in little companies like, you know, Budinsky, who's they, you know, that's uh, my friend has made these, yeah, they've got maybe a couple of SKUs, great apparel products, right? Love them. Tiny company, all made in America, right? Selling direct to consumer or a company like Town Hall or Robin Hall is building Mm -hmm. a a kids apparel company that is actually just built to be good stewards in their community, right? It's it's not about, it's not necessarily about you know, we just want to grow. It's not necessarily about, you know, just the bottom line. It's more yeah. about, we love this new community we have. And now we're going to do things that are more, you know, we're going to think about the community. We're going to be thinking about these and we can have this small business and we can live here. And, you know, it's, it's all wonderful. It's pretty idyllic, frankly, it really is. And we, and then you're surrounded by a, a bunch of other smart, creative people that are all doing, you know, all these cool things outside and you're healthier and you're happier as a community. It's, I think we're in for to, for an, an interesting set of trends that might come out of these mm-hmm. Zoom towns. Healthier and happier sounds great to me. Well, you know, we that talked in the, lap, lap, <laughs> in the last episode, we talked about cognitive health and we talked about yeah. physical and mental health and, and what the medical community is saying about that um, and how positively correlated outdoor activity is with just better health all around. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this makes sense to me. You know, we've got a group of people coalescing that are going to be healthier and happier. And boy, I wouldn't, I kind of want to be one in that community. I, I was did. about to ask why you still live in the DC area. <laughs> yeah, you could, you've only lived there for what, 20 years? How 25, long? 25, 25. Here's the thing though. I, I live, I, I live in a, in a secret gem of an outdoor community. Just yeah. don't tell, we don't want anybody to know about it. Shh, don't tell. Don't tell. I live on the very edge of the Denver Metro too. And so I can very quickly be in no man's land. You know, it's the out East towards Kansas and it's just like flat plains, gravel riding for days. It's perfect. That's nice. I, I mean, my favorite, I'm out there. you know, we're part of, we're, we're part of the Appalachian chain, but we're the Catoctin mm-hmm. mountains. Yeah. I mean, some of the oldest mountains in the world, frankly, really? I mean, it's, pre- it's pretty amazing. So you know, right up by Camp David, there's, there's, um, it's, Catoctin Park and it's got hog rock and it's it's basically just it's almost like devil's post pile with the hexagonal formations those mm-hmm. long rock crystals that looks like for god's sake that is not that's man-made it must be man-made yeah, it's not it's yeah. a crystal it's i mean it's just it's amazing and i've got that swath of woods for 27 miles up right, right basically right behind my house and I kind of live in those woods. That's I, that's, so that's a cool. big deal. And recently, and I'd say over the past, God, over the past 15 years, me trail running, right? I used to be able to trail run by myself and now it's nuts up there. But the mountain biking, the downhill mountain biking in that, in oh, yeah. what they call the watershed is mm-hmm. epic. <laughs> it's epic. And I mean, no one would ever think like Maryland, kidding me? I would not. It's not, Co- it's not Colorado. It's not California. I'm telling you, man. Hey, it's, I'll try anything it's once. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I don't need and to it, sell it. In fact, don't come. No. <laughs> well, I think I think the point is like you prioritized um, access to the outdoors long ago when you yes, when I you did. moved to your current spot, right? Yep. And now I think 
the remote, the, the nature of remote work is empowering our fellow outdoor work participants to do the same. And it's it's a lot more attainable now because of our access to, to remote work and our, you know, like you said, technology is only going to make it easier to be remote, either fully or the majority of the time remote. Um, and so other folks are, are able to make that same sort of prioritization realized by going to some mountain town in Colorado or going to, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to blow anyone else up, Go, going wherever they want to go, going to the yeah. beach, going to the coast, going to the mountains, going to... All right, I'm going to bring this up because this blew my mind yesterday. All right, yeah. there's a program in West Virginia and in a couple of specific communities. They will pay you. They will pay you about $20,000 to move there. I'm not kidding. So you move the, and and they give you basically $1,000 a month the first year you're there. And then for the next year, if you stay after that year, they give you the, the other 2000 And they give you this whole bag of goodies, including kayaks. And I mean, it's nuts. You get it's so yeah. If you want to go and live yeah. like <laughs> where the outdoor amenities are really serious, yeah. you can even get paid to do that. Right? That's cool. I I think my point about about you know remote work and the trends that we've seen since COVID. Um, you would have expected if everything was going to go back to normal, like some people mm-hmm. want, where we all go back to the office, that would have happened by now. Um, what we're yeah. seeing, it, what yeah. we're seeing, is definitely not that. I mean, New York City real estate, commercial real estate expectation for um, for occupancy is at fifty six percent now. They're expecting that to go down to about fifty percent, and that to be oh. the norm going forward. That's not good news if you're in commercial real estate. But that, along with the no. trends that where we see expert, you know, a significant percentage of white collar workers working remotely and or hybrid. That mm-hmm. and considering that you know we're moving into an even more um, sort of immersive technological period in which you know we're going to be able to interact virtually in ways that feel yeah. more natural, um, and that's that you know we've got sustainability issues that go along with a lot of business travel plus the expense right. This cuts down on business yeah. costs. It makes sense. I mean, let's let's focus our bottom line on profit, and not on costs. You know, if we could do this at lower costs, then we definitely should. So, I mean, considering all of those things, I mean, this is this is how you build formulas for projection, right? What that if I were to build a mathematical formula based upon those variables, my guess is that if we manipulated it moving forward, we're going to see nothing but an increase in the trend of being able to live wherever you want to live. And this is, I mean, there there are positive ramifications for various places in America that really couldn't have used some, you know, economic life injected into them because they could, they do have, you know, the, the factors that could attract the creative class that could attract people that just want to live there. And it's probably not going to be as good for, you know, urban environments where, you know, commercial real estate occupancy is low and people aren't super excited. I mean, we're in the stage now where we've got mayors begging us to come back in the office because the restaurants are dying and the shops are dying. But this is all just part of economic evolution. And as we it's evolve, all the free market. Yeah. It looks like we're yeah. evolving toward more towards a Zoom town than we are towards um, concentration and in, in dense concentration in urban environments. That sounds great to me, but I, this is another N of one, or maybe this is an N of two. I don't want to live in the big city, dude. I want to live so far away where I can just go ride and hike and fish and hunt. My God, I just had but, such an amazing idea for a question to ask. And yeah, should we move to West Virginia? And the answer is yes. We should go get our kayaks. We should get our stipends. I'm I'm way ahead of you. 
I, as I was thinking about examples of, of places to move in order to, to really like optimize outdoor access, I, I had a colleague at another job that was fully remote who moved to like the middle of nowhere, Kansas, maybe it was Arkansas. I can't remember now. Because uh, he just wanted to duck hunt every day, and that's all he wanted to be outside of the city. He wanted to duck hunt every day, and he does. And his his social media stuff is just waterfowl hunting. It's great. I bet. Every morning. I'd, I'd like to visit him. I, so I didn't. My, my point being that I said, you know, the beach and the mountains and stuff, but there's outdoor recreation everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, this gives you an opportunity to move to you know your ideal environment. Yeah. Or you know, move around a bit. I mean, I've lived in the Sonoran Desert. It was amazing. I've lived in, you know, Maryland for God only knows how long. You know, they're different environments. I lived in Hawaii yeah, for four Hawaii. years. Lived in San Diego for about 10 years. I'm running out of years now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Goodness. Yeah, well, I won't bring up the fact that, you know, I think Gen X is going to retirement is going to look more like drunk summer camp than a retirement community. But <laughs> that could be for a future episode because that generation yeah. is gonna is going to continue to be active outdoors and is going yeah, to sure. in retirement is going to be attracted to outdoor activity. Even yeah. if that's like hollowing out a carrot and smoking weed in the woods, it's going to be outdoors. <laughs> oh Kelly. I don't think we track that in any of our current metrics of outdoor recreation participation. Yeah. Well, you know, I call it a hike. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, but the crossover, that Venn diagram just looks like a circle. Um, yeah, yeah. Are, are we going to save your question for another day? Oh, um, that that was for real, because I've got to, I, I need to to give civic science a question for syndication. Cool. And I think it's, you know, I the question is, ideally, where do you want to live? And then, you know, you, I could, oh, I'm crafting cool. a response yeah. that could go from middle of nowhere to, mm-hmm. you know, big city. Yeah. And and see and and we'll get about 150,000 responses to that. What a cool tool. And uh and then I can ask a follow-up question, mm-hmm. right? And it about, you know, what you're looking for there and we could we can get to the bottom of of my hypothesis. That's yeah. you know, other data has shown to be true, but I can always use a little bit more. I my hypothesis is that people are increasingly not thinking about living in the big city. And I think yeah, millennials yeah. are are way over living in the big city. And I don't think Gen Z ever wanted to live in the big city. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, like this is this is a podcast run by two people that work in the outdoor industry, right? So we're a little bit skewed towards bias. Outside. Totally biased. <laughs> uh, so so maybe we can own that like explicitly. But yeah, I mean that that sounds great to me. I never wanted to live in the big city, and I I don't now. But I'm closer than I ever wanted to be. You know. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if this well, trend continues. I I like you expected to keep keep progressing towards remote work wherever you want to be. Yeah, and effectively. Um yeah. and I'd like to I'd like to get it to a place where, you know, we don't even we're not really even called to travel that much. You know, we can mm-hmm. do that virtually too. And that's that's gonna take some innovation. And that's gonna take probably 10 years of the metaverse once that's launched, really launched, not sort of for this is, we're in sort of the bulletin board phase of of what the internet was for the metaphor. I, I feel like you know I'm I'm hearing my modem, <laughs> you know, connect yeah. with yeah. with some bulletin board. What was the name of it? it was Pro? Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I, I used I, I used to hang out on on bulletin boards to for various for various topics back in the eighties. 
in the late eighties. And that's kind of how I feel. I think we're a little bit ahead of that in terms of the metaverse, but, and technology moves more quickly. Um, But I'm, you know, I don't, I keep waiting for the eyewear to come out. I keep waiting for, I mean, I've got a VR, now I've got a VR headset, finally Mm -hmm. have that, right? So I can fly my racing drone, but I mean, I'm waiting for, you know, the suit and the whole thing so I can, or like a media room in my house where I hang out and work basically, but I'm in the metaverse. So it, you know, I can control my environment however I want. Just imagine we'll all think we're sitting in the corner office. That sounds great. I mean, I, it, I think yeah, I, I love presenting research. I love going to conferences and getting up on stage and talking about the work that I love doing, but also um, it's not my favorite 24 hours to like fly to some city the night before I give a presentation, stay at a at a regular hotel, wake up, go present research, and then be back on a plane at home within 24 hours. Like that stuff gets old. And it, it was does. it was early in the pandemic, and I was like, wait, we can just get everyone on Zoom together, and I can present to you. We can have a great discussion. You'll submit questions by email afterwards because we've already engaged over technology, and you receive the same value essentially. Heck yeah, I'm going to present so much more to so many different audiences because we now have access to technology, which is empowering me to be wherever I want to be when I give that presentation, as long as I have a strong connection to the internet. Who cares? Yeah, I think the user experience, we'll look back on the user experience we're having now and kind of laugh a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Gonna be like, Holy shit, it was like flat Stanley. Um, really, I think we're going to end up in these immersive environments and I'm excited for it. But you know, you're going to have that and that's that's virtual. You can be anywhere, anytime. Um, and then IRL, right, is right out the door. And, you know, we're thinking a little bit more, um, we're being a little bit more mindful about our impact on the environment when we do, yeah. you know, when we travel, um, you know, we all decide we need to fly somewhere to talk about how important it is to be sustainable, things like that. I think we're, we technology will allow us, you know, to be a little bit more true to our to our ethics on that front as well. And that's another reason why I think, especially in outdoor, you know, we're probably headed to, you know, work environments that are a little bit more flexible, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more humane in that sense and a little bit more mindful of of the environment we're trying to protect. I love it. It and one that also like allows us to prioritize access to the outdoors. Absolutely. Or else I'm gonna just go work in tech. Uh, uh, i don't know it might be hard to find a job right now but Uh, give it a give it a little while give it a bit they always bounce back they'll be back there'll be another social media site that has to hire a bunch of people yeah 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 yeah. Five hundred sixteen thousand jobs today a lot of jobs that's like a mic drop moment just boom i know i think i I emailed you yesterday or the day before and i was like yeah we can talk about employment i think this next job Job thing is going to be like a hundred thousand jobs, and it came out and was five hundred. I was, uh, I was, it was mind blown for me this morning. The market's been really interesting this week. Really interesting. I mean, yesterday what happened at Meta? I was crazy. They were up like when I when the market closed. I think they're up 35, 35 points. Yeah, like, nuts. Yeah. Um, oh my. Oh, I'm doing. I'm doing great this week, man. Are you? Yeah, Qualtrics, which has been stuck in the basement at about twelve bucks, has had a had a really nice earnings statement, and uh, they're back up to sixteen seventy five today. My What's little your login info for your uh, your trading app. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> it's my face. <laughs> uh, yeah, damn. Audio only medium. Uh, 
But yeah, the market the market usually reacts to really positive jobs reports negatively. And today's really not much of an exception. It's not too it's not horribly painful, but yeah. it's it's like, you know, it's sort of weird because you know, we've got 4.4% wage growth, right? And we've got we've got you know, record low unemployment. We've got huge job growth. Yeah. And and you, I kind of wonder. I thought that I thought wage growth hit, has slowed significantly, but you know, considering inflation, we're sort of at breaking even. We're always about breaking even. But now I wonder. There's a the tangible difference. Is there a measurable difference between the anxiety that that curtails spending? And I'm blaming this significantly on anxiety. Yeah. If if it's you think that sentiment. okay, it's like oh well, you know what. I could get fired. I can have a new job tomorrow. It's not a big deal. I'm fine. And the, the the social media discourse is full of stories like, oh, so afraid to get laid off. But then I've got, I'm so excited about this job I got a week later. I mean, so yeah. the, right now, the 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 common narrative is, yeah, you know, you might get laid off. You might lose your job, but there are a, a gazillion jobs and you're going to find something that just, you know, completes you as a human being, right? So that's a little hyperbole. But I'm, you know, just just looking at what's happening with inflation, because usually we think mm-hmm. that kind of anxiety, if you have anxiety about inflation, you tend to you tend to really, you know, to tighten your belt a bit. And there's been some belt tightening, but not as much as expected, which is great for yeah. the economy. I mean, that means they, they keep saying the experts, you economists keep saying we're going to be in a recession, but GDP is up. I mean, I we're know. at what? It's at 2.6, 2.9. That's I, I growth. Trump, Trump didn't do that. I mean, we haven't had that kind of growth. For a while, especially when you've got a whole bunch of people screaming, it's, we're going to have a recession. I, and again, I'm going to just going to go back to my visual of the needle and the balloon. Yeah, <laughs> the housing market balloon. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, my um, yeah, my visual is like a slingshot being pulled back. Same sort of thing. It's just yeah. tension, building tension, building tension. We'll see. Maybe we'll know more when we record our next episode. Yeah, I think I see my big brother just taunting me with my birthday balloon and a needle. <laughs> you poor thing. My dad was a him, or he still is a chemist, and um, helium is a finite resource. And so, young Patrick never had a helium balloon for a birthday because right. my dad, on principle, said, "No, we're not wasting helium on that. It's for chemical processes." Yeah, uh, helium balloons <laughs> lasted about. I, guess I, I would guess that the, the typical lifespan would be about an hour, and then we'd all be talking. You know. With helium in our lungs. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was worth it. Like, I, I don't mind sacrificing my balloon if my big brother sounds like a chipmunk. That is awesome. I'm in. Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time. <laughs>